Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So it's a show? It's a lifestyle. It's a religion. Don't call me girl, sir. Hey! I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. We got a lot of stuff coming up in our first full episode, which you are listening to right now. Later on, we're going to talk to Julie Shapiro. She's the artistic director of the Third Coast International Audio Festival about a piece she wrote for Transom about the shockingly low number of podcasts hosted by women. And our intern, Claire, has a lot of feelings about some trends that may or may not be new girl star Zoe Deschanel's fault. And we'll play Frack, Mary Kill with three summer TV shows. But before we do that, Greta, you had a lot of feelings in our first mini episode where we nerded out hard about Arrested Development coming back. And I'm guessing now you've watched it all? You know, I did this weird consumption strategy where I watched the first eight and then I watched the first eight again and then I watched the second six and then I watched now I'm watching the second six again and I'm saving the last episode for after I've seen everything else twice. Okay, that matches my expectations for how weird your consumption of the show would be. But how are you feeling about it? I'm feeling really good about it. I think I did a bad thing as I watched it. Uh Uh-oh. Why? Well, I mean, you know how some diets have a cheat day? Yeah. And so some people can handle that. They're like, oh, I'll have a little more avocado on my thing that day. Right. But then there's people who's like, I'm going to eat the cake. Right. Well, I consumed Arrested Development like the people who eat the whole cake on the cheat day. And so it made me a little sick. I got a little Jason Bateman fatigue. I was so worried about spoilers that I sort of flew through the episodes. And I don't think I enjoyed them as much. So if you have been taking your time, well done. That is the best way to watch them, I'm sure, because I got I got a little stressed out by too much George Sr., too much Michael, not enough Buster. I can totally relate to that. And as I'm sure you can imagine, I also have a lot more feelings about Arrested Development. So you can check out our website, nerdatpodcast.com. There's a blog post there about it. But now it is time for Frack, Mary Kill. That's Frack for all you Battlestar Galactica fans. And the game works like this. Three, Mary, Boff, Kill, Lutz, Tufer, or Kenneth. I'd marry Tufer because he's classy. I'd kill Lutz. Sorry, Lutz. The thought that you would do anything to me is awesome. And I'd boff Kenneth. What? Yes, but we're playing with three summer TV shows. Our guest is Rebecca Polson. She's a Brooklyn-based writer and bartender. And also happens to be my best friend. Best friend? Well, it's like Mindy Kaling says. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going with my best friend from college, Maggie. How many best friends from college do you have? Best friend isn't a person, Danny. It's a tier. Right. So Rebecca is my pop culture Reiki. She keeps me in line and we nerd out hard about TV. And she chose Marin, which is the new IFC show from comedian and host of the WTF podcast, Mark Marin. Family Tree, the new Christopher Guest mockumentary-style show by Christopher Guest and starring Chris O'Dowd. Oh, Chris O'Dowd. He's the lovable cop in Bridesmaids and the terrible husband in Girls. Yes. And then the third show is Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom. 
Okay, Rebecca, Mary, Frat, Kill. What are your picks? I'm marrying Marin. I'm just, I'm really happy that show exists. I'm going to keep fracking newsroom because sometimes I make bad choices and I'll be killing family tree. I think I'm the most excited about Marin too. I'm also the most confused about being excited about it. So I feel like that's a good place to start. Ooh, why are you confused about being excited about it? You know, WTF is fascinating to me. Marin's personality, I find potentially problematic. I gave up WTF for like six months. And it was because like, I just, I didn't need Mark's negativity in my life, you know? Exactly. There's a lot of complaining and there's a lot of really fascinating insight too, but like it can just be kind of rough, you know? And like the first 10 minutes is a rant. Yeah. You really, you really have to be in the mindset for these, you know? And then turning on the show, I was like, he's a little more attractive than I thought he would be. I feel, you know, a similar way about how emotionally exhausting Marin is, but I feel like at this point I'm in it for the long haul with him. So, Trisha, did you say also that you would marry Marin? Yeah, I'm marrying Marin, which I know is probably not a great life choice. I mean, I'm not saying that Marin's going to be my first and only marriage. I think Marin is my second marriage. All right. Right? So I decided to frack Marin because he's a lot cuter than I thought he was, but I know he's still a mess. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So, you know, I feel like short term, like I know he'll entertain me. I'm looking forward to the rest of these episodes, but I know not to expect much beyond that. My perception of Marin has softened from this show. These conversations that he has with his mom and with his brother on the phone just make you realize, oh, okay, he can be a person to other people, too. There's actually a clip here from the very first episode of him interacting with his mom that I just sort of felt like we can all kind of relate to this kind of conversation with a relative. It's your mother. Yeah, I know, Mom. I'm just calling to tell you that Kyle is very excited to meet you today. Who? Kyle, Sheila's grandson. You were going to talk to him about a career in comedy. Oh, is that today? Why do you always make these arrangements? There's no such thing as a career in comedy. Well, he's very excited to meet you. I shouldn't tell you this, but Sheila had a drinking problem in the early 70s. Yes, you managed to get that into a lot of conversations. There's no need to bring up his grandmother's drinking problem. I love that. And it is fun to see these stand-ups coming in and playing themselves for a few minutes each. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Dennis Leary episode. We see Mark doing his job and Dennis Leary engaging with him as an interviewee. And then he's also integrated into the narrative really well. It was a really smart way to capture what's special about the podcast without just making it the podcast with visuals, you know? And yeah, I don't know if you guys could agree with me on this too, but I feel like you could also definitely watch this show without having heard the podcast. Definitely. I think in the same way that you maybe saw one Louis special before you started watching Louis, but can just appreciate him as a guy who's trying to do a thing. And sometimes it goes okay. And a lot of times it doesn't. While I'm marrying Marin, I understand that not everybody wants to and that you can totally have like a quick dalliance with it so rebecca remind me again family tree oh you killed family tree i killed family tree i dude i learned a lot about myself while watching family tree i'm not all that into christopher guest and i tried really hard in middle school i tried so hard because it's what all the nerds that were cooler than me liked but i'm just i'm just not gonna watch people be british 
And that's what I felt watching Family Tree. I fell asleep twice before I uh, made it through the pilot. I can relate to that for sure. Yeah, and I, I think that it'll it'll be fine on HBO. It's going to have its people who love it, and I don't think it's really in danger. You know, again, after seven years without something from Christopher Guest, I have this sort of image in my mind of favorite moments from Waiting for Guffman or Best in Show, and I go into the pilot with these expectations that I'm just going to belly laugh at something. I get it. I didn't laugh at the first couple episodes maybe of The Office in the way that I did two, three seasons in when I loved these characters. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give them some time, but I definitely don't think that out the gate I am excited about this show. Very mild spoiler alert that like everyone else has already alerted you to if you've read any news coverage of the show at all, is that halfway through the episode's run, it goes to America and we see more of the Christopher Guest regulars. Yeah, I thought that was going to happen a lot sooner. Like I was waiting for that to happen in the pilot because I've seen the promo on HBO. The conceit is family member dies, he gets this box of stuff, and that leads him to want to explore like some weird family extension in the U.S., You see all these cameos of folks from Best in Show, and that's, you know, when I am really excited about it. It's so terrible. Oh, my gosh, you guys, I'm still I'm killing the show, but I'm totally going to end up watching it anyways, because I just like television a disgusting amount. That's why I'm (laughs) marrying Family Tree, because I see a lot of potential. Good for you. Well, and I also have this really horrible tendency with guys to be like, I know you're usually broken, but for me, you won't be. So it's your fixer. Okay, I respect that. Yeah, once it figures out some of these things, I think it could be a really excellent show. Greta, I want you to look them in the eye and listen to this clip and tell me that you're going to marry this show. This therapist told me that uh, I might be able to let out my inner voice with the use of a hand puppet, so the rest is history. We've been together ever since, you know, and I find it wonderful to have his companionship. I I take a lot of the heat it has to be shed. That was when I like I thought, oh no, this hurts to watch and I don't know if I can do this. And that's when I turned on Nashville instead. <laughs> Palette cleanser TV. A concept that we are big fans of and we'll talk more about later on the Nerdette podcast. Exactly. Palette cleanser TV. Exactly. So Rebecca, just to recap then, you're marrying Marin, you're killing family tree, which means you're fracking newsroom. Even though I know it's bad for me. <laughs> As we so often do. Um, so what's what's the what's the rationale here? I'm killing it. So here we are. I kind of feel like Aaron Sorkin's talent was my high school boyfriend. And then I feel like we had this really beautiful, amicable split. We wanted to do a recap blog about Newsroom that was, if you kind of liked this episode of Newsroom, here's the episode of West Wing you should watch because this has the same plot line. When it comes to the people in the White House... I would love to be able to think that those the people we have in our White House right now are remotely similar to the characters. I am not nearly as emotionally invested in the personal priorities of television cable news host. Yeah, you're right, Greta. We want the people who are running the country to be that smart, to be inextricably intelligent and sort of insufferable as humans, but that's okay because they're doing a big job. Yeah, that's the thing is that if you're going to write characters that are terrible at their personal lives because they have these big high-powered jobs that they're so good at, they actually have to be good at those jobs and legitimately prioritizing them. The stakes are not the same for Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip or even for the newsroom. As, As important as I think journalism is, I don't believe that The stakes are that high for these individuals. He's this fantasy that Aaron Sorkin has of like, what if I just told the world what to do? Right? Because I do (laughs) feel like, I mean, everything that Will is really impassioned about 
and gets super angry about, I feel like is essentially Sorkin's agenda, right? I feel like every episode of the newsroom is like a lesson in the ethics of journalism. And I just feel like he's hammering those lessons hard and I already know him anyway. And it's just like simultaneously stressful and boring for me. It's definitely stressful and boring. And also cable TV news hosts are not the ones who I give any credibility to in the conversation about journalism ethics. I really feel like if Will McAvoy, Jeff Daniels character, the cable news host, if he was as pure of heart and as great as the show wants us to think he is, he would be a part of the solution and would have been for the last 20 years of his career instead of being a part of the problem. No, but he just got pure of heart because Mackenzie McHale gave him his pure heart at Northwestern. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I do love about that character, Emily Mortimer's character, Mac, is this moment. I loathe you right now. You've got ink on your face. I want with pens. (laughs) So here's an example of Alison Pill holding her own in a news meeting. It's not the world's most reliable source. I know. So I confirmed it with the NYPD, and it's true. And the Times of London has it online, and I think if the religion of the bomber is important, then so is the religion of the guy who saved everyone's life. Alison Pill, as Maggie, plays this really well, that sort of nervous energy that it takes to talk in a meeting where you're in the room with people who've been at this for two decades longer than you, and everybody in the room is your boss. And I think she plays that well in those moments. But the part I don't get in this character especially as a young female in that environment, is her having out loud fights about personal matters with her boyfriend in the office. I just don't see that. Do you guys see that in the workplace? No, I very intentionally keep that stuff out of the workplace. I work in a bar, guys. I don't have the right answer here. I know. I know. But it just it, it drives me bananas that the women can't keep it together long enough to fight with their boyfriends in private instead of well, in the middle of their workplace. And for me personally, being a fairly young woman in a newsroom, it can be totally intimidating. You know, you're surrounded by brilliant, award-winning journalists, but that's all the more reason then to really step it up and not act like a teenage girl. And that's why I'm killing it, guys. I'm fracking it. Fracking it because, I don't know, because I can't give up on it yet. Thanks to Rebecca for playing Mary Frack Kill. You can tweet us your choices at Nerdat Podcast. Or call us at 312-600-5638. Like my pop culture spirit guide, Liz, did. Hi, this is Liz calling in. Um, and I'm going to say that I would frack the TV show Marin, uh, marry the newsroom, and kill Family Tree. Um, Marin, I've enjoyed it. It's been very funny. I'd like to see where it continues to go. The newsroom, I really loved. I love, love, love the cast, and Emily Mortimer really made it for me, so I've got some hope for that. And I would kill Family Tree, even though I adore Chris O'Dowd and really like the first show that I've seen of it. Um, And really, in the end, I guess we'll continue to watch all three, and I have hopes for all of them. Bye, guys. So one of the things we nerd out about, besides TV and books and weather, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, is podcasts and audio storytelling. 
And the Third Coast International Audio Festival is an amazing hub for listening to great, sound-rich stories and learning how to make audio documentaries. And Julie Shapiro is the artistic director for Third Coast, and she wrote a piece earlier this year for Transom. Which is another cool forum for people who nerd out about radio. And Julie's piece is all about the gender gap in podcasting, and it really made me think hard about what I listen to, so we asked her to come and talk to us a little more about her piece. The lack of women podcasters is really startlingly depressing. There were out of the top 100 most popular podcasts on Stitcher, and the iTunes one reflected very closely the same dynamic, if not the same exact numbers. Um, There were nine out of 100 podcasts that were hosted just by women, and there were 11 podcasts co-hosted by a man and a woman. 80 other ones are just driven by a male host. What are some of the reasons that you got in response from people about why this is? The podcast world being sort of tech-heavy and more men involved in tech and um, tech culture, I think that has a, a large part to do with it. And and the whole comedy world is huge. And um, I think probably, I'm absolutely no expert on comedy stats, but, you know, just there were more successful male comedians. What drove me crazy was people would say, like, well, what about Terry Gross? <laughs> what, there are women podcasters. What about Terry Gross and Brooke Gladstone? <laughs> you know, and right, I'd be right. like, wait a second. A, she's a co-host. B, those are public radio shows that exist as podcasts as, as well. The other thing that was interesting to think about was whether listeners tend to find more authority in men's voices and so, like, sort of crave that in their podcast listening, especially when they're more factual things about science and the economy and and maybe there's just like another sort of just way we're socialized to expect men to have more information. One of our senatorial campaign staffers once told me that he likes hearing women on the radio because he feels like they sound less professional. What? And he didn't even mean it to be weirdly demeaning, <laughs> but it, you know, and I he think was he was saying means, I can connect to them. Right. Like there's that yeah. warmth that's yeah. not there necessarily in a male voice. But yeah, it, even the way he phrased it was like, oh man, this is problematic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think women are more likely to be willing to pursue something done by men than vice versa. And I don't yes. know how much of that has to do with the fact that then as a result, a lot of these women hosted podcasts are very female centric in the topics they're exploring. But I remember even as a kid, you know, reading books really not minding whether the protagonist was male or female. And I think that's a lot more difficult for guys. You know, I think they're just less likely to read a book you're with more, a female narrator. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're more likely to read The Hardy Boys and not get anyone saying anything to you than if a boy has a babysitter's club book in their hand. Exactly. That's right. really true. Really true. But the puzzle is still for me, like, why haven't there been more people like the two of you saying, well, let's give this a try? So let me turn the tables. Like, why did it take this long to start? By the way, I'm so glad you're doing this. But <laughs> it, was it something you thought about for a while and then you needed a push? Or is it just circumstance like now you have the opportunity to and as soon as you did, you started it up? Or I find it problematic that so many female-hosted podcasts are very female-centric. And that, I think, is something that we're trying to branch away from also. You know, of course, it's a place where we'll talk about some women's issues. But I think it's bigger than that. And as a result, then we can expand the conversation beyond that, too. Yeah, definitely. It just should. There's no reason it can't be about everything. Exactly. Well, and especially that angle of, you know, OK, we know what you do in your professional life. But what do you nerd out about? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great you know? so the dichotomy of what, who you are publicly and then what what else makes you tick exactly you know what books are you getting really excited about these days you know like those kinds of conversations i think are just so much fun yeah absolutely 
thanks very much to Julie Shapiro, Artistic Director for Third Coast, for talking to us. You can find a link to her Transom article at nerdatpodcast.com. It's a really great read in in the article and then in the comments section for this piece spawned this amazing list of podcasts hosted by women that are fabulous and a lot of them you maybe haven't heard of. So go check that out and find some new favorite podcasts. And now we have a segment from our intern, Claire. Yes, she has a list of things that she's very worried might be the fault of new girl star Zoe Deschanel. Vintage housewife wear, so like cardigans and polka dots. Using sounds instead of words, so like a more annoying version of Liz Lemon. Like, wow, wow. Having your face just be 90% bang, just like bang and then a little bit of button nose. Having your child have a literary name, Emerson, Emma. Oh, those sound a lot alike. I wonder if that's just a female version of whatever. Thanks, Zoe. Having a crush on Joseph Gordon-Levitt, because let's get real, before he was in 500 Days of Summer, ain't nobody thought that boy was cute. It just didn't happen. And now he's like, oh, maybe. And now he's in that new movie where he's just like all abs and like situation hair. Playing the ukulele, unless you were that guy who sang the over the rainbow version. Nobody plays the ukulele. And now everyone thinks it's super adorable. It's just annoying. Being named as a Boston bombing suspect. Being gluten free. I know that that's like is a thing that people actually have a disease, but it's super overdiagnosed and I feel like it's because people think it's trendy and because people think they're going to get super skinny and then be able to be all bangs and button nose and cardigan sweaters. So thanks, Zoe. Um, not understanding how to act like a human in normal social situations. And it's not sexy. It's a mental disorder. And then lastly singing in the cotton commercials because i'm pretty sure that zoe was the first person who did that and some of the people they had are fine like camille bell she was fine hayden pantier is okay although they're trying to make her a country singer and she's not even though she's on nashville but then we had like kate bosworth who can't sing so i don't know why they had her like put on a, like a slip dress and was like cotton fabric of my life didn't work out so thanks zoe there was a lot of passion in that list and anger i think a little rage. So another fun surprise. While interviewing Julie, we ask what she's nerding out about these days. And she mentioned a book she's reading. And the book is The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer. And that's part of your nerd homework from us because we just read this book and we love it. It came out in April. Yeah, it's about summer camp. And that got us thinking about all the strange, wonderful experiences we never really had at summer camp, which is why we're asking for your nerdy summer camp stories. So you can call us at 312-600-5638. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr to share your stories for our summer camp episode. The weirder the better. Like our intern Claire went to circus camp. When when you say you went to circus camp, people go, oh, of course you did. That explains a lot about you. And there's more where that came from especially if you call us with your stories. Okay, so it's nerd homework time. My homework for you is to read The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer. We're excited to go see her speak at Lit Fest in Chicago next weekend. Some of our other favorite authors are going to be there. Julia Keller, Paul DeRica, and Bill Savage just edited a new book that's hilarious and about old-timey Chicago. Cool. And, oh yeah, Judy Bloom. Oh, Judy Bloom. no big deal. No big deal. So my nerd homework for you is to watch Continuum, which is a really cool Canadian sci-fi show. It's out on Netflix now. It's about a law enforcement officer from Vancouver in the year 2077, and she ends up traveling back in time to Vancouver in 2012, also with a group of anarchists. So along with some great themes about time travel and fatalism, there's also a lot of really interesting morally ambiguous characters, which are some of my favorites. 
And I would honestly argue that Continuum is the best sci-fi I've seen since Battlestar. Oh, that's a big claim. It sure fracking is, Trisha. That's it for us today. Thanks so much to Julie Shapiro of Third Coast and Rebecca Polson for nerding out with us about TV. We'd also like to thank our intern, Claire. BJ Lederman did not compose our theme. But we would like him to. So this is Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do it. Nerdette! 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 Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.